by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Brother Tony told me a story. Where's Brother Tony at? He's hiding. He's on the back row. Brother Tony hiding on the back row back there told me a story it really touched my heart, and it was so profound that I thought I must share this story with you today to get started because it's relevant to our message. He said there was a pastor baptizing in a local river, had a line of people coming, and there was this guy that come busting out of the tree line, and he was obviously inebriated. He was walking like this, and he just made his way down into the water, and he waded up to the pastor. And touched him on the shoulder. And the pastor turned around. He could smell his breath as he turned, you know. He said, this guy's drunk. He said, sir, have you found Jesus? And the guy said, pastor, nope. He said, come here. And he got him and he dunked him on the water and he brought him back up. And he asked him again, now, have you found Jesus? He said, nope. By then, the pastor was getting exasperated. So this time, he got him, and he ducked him under the water, and he held him there for about 30 seconds, like I do, <laughs> for those of you wanting to be baptized. He'll make sure he's real clean before he come back up. He's holding the guys down there, flopping his legs, trying to, trying to get air, and he finally brings him back up. He said, now, sir, have you found Jesus? And the guy's coughing, <laughs> sputtering. <laughs> he wipes his eyes. He says, you sure this is where he fell in? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> that story is relevant because I'm going to ask the question today. And I mean it probably in a deeper way than you're thinking. But have you found Jesus? I'm not asking you, have you found a church? I'm asking you, have you found Jesus? Nicodemus went to find Jesus. In the third chapter of John, he uh, approaches Jesus at night. reason why he did that, because you see, Nicodemus was one of those guys in the long flowing robes. He was a Pharisee. But he saw something in Jesus that he wasn't finding in his religion. You see... It wasn't that Nicodemus did, did, didn't search for God, wasn't eager, wasn't zealous for God. It was just he was looking in the wrong place. You know, to be a Pharisee, they say, uh, I don't know if it's true, but the, I've heard it said that you must memorize the first five books of the Bible, What's, what they call the Torah, the Jews call the Torah. Have you ever read Deuteronomy? And Leviticus, Genesis, and all those, Joshua. You know how much memorization that would be? That's somebody that's truly searching for God. Would you agree? So it's not for lack of trying. 
Nicodemus is trying to find God, but he's coming up dry and empty in his search for religion. And he sees something different in Jesus. He sees power. He sees the power of God in Jesus. Now, he's still not sure about this thing. And that's the way many of us come. We're like, I don't know. You know, it's much easier just to to quote scriptures, you know, and and to to know about Jesus. It's much easier to know about Jesus because once you start really knowing Jesus, they start calling you a Jesus freak. And I don't know if I want that reputation. I got my robes and everything. But he comes to Jesus. He says, I know there's something going on with you, man. Because nobody does the miracles that you've been doing unless God be for him. And Jesus, like he normally does, he just cuts through all the surface level stuff. See, that's where Nicodemus had been living his life, surface level. He thought he was going deep because he could memorize five books of the Bible. Some of you can quote more scripture than me. And you think that makes you deep. Nicodemus could could argue with anybody, the law. But he came to Jesus, and Jesus cut through. He said, uh, Nicodemus, I tell you, unless a man be born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. Well, Nicodemus is still thinking on the carnal level. You see, that's where most of us are thinking. That's where I think until I... I force myself to think spiritually. And so he was thinking on the corner of it. How could an old man like me go back into my mama's belly and be born again? See, it doesn't make sense, does it? If you're thinking on the carnal level, if your Christianity is based on the carnal level, it just don't make sense. A lot of the things in, that Jesus says in the Gospels, you just have no clue what he means because you're thinking on a carnal level. What does he mean when he says that? But if you'll stop and you'll ask his Holy Spirit to help you think on a spiritual level, Jesus begins to say, you're a teacher of my people and you don't know these things? And I wonder how many people we got teaching God's people that know nothing about the Spirit. And so we have churches filled with surface-level Christians who never go any deeper. But Nicodemus said, I'm tired of dusty religion. And something in his heart says, I want to go deeper. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6 says, God has enabled us to be ministers of this new covenant. This is a covenant not written of laws, but of the Spirit. Are you listening? The old covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. Which one do you want, life or death? You want to be under the law, or you want to be under the blood of Jesus Christ? Nicodemus possessed head knowledge, but he had very little heart knowledge. But his heart was longing for more, and that's a good place to be. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, well, 
I see people all excited. I see these Jesus freaks, and I see them worshiping with their whole heart. It don't make no sense to me. I mean, I, I read the Bible. I get some knowledge and wisdom from it. I know Jesus died on the cross. I know all that stuff, but it don't make me, it don't make me emotional. You got a lot of head knowledge, but you're here today, right? You're here today, and you're, there's something in you calling you deeper. The Bible says, deep calls unto deep. And if you search for me with your whole heart, you'll what? You'll find me. Jesus said, I thank you, Father, that you've not revealed this to the wise, to the worldly, but to, as to little babes. See, we got to be more childlike. And we just got to come sit up in Papa's lap. We got to stare into the face of Jesus. We've got to want Him. And not just to be saying, yeah, I'm a churchgoer, I'm a Christian. You got your badge, you got, you got your, your little membership card in your, in your pocket. And that's enough. No, that's not enough, my friend. You are so surface level. I'm telling you. Nicodemus found that there was so much more. And 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But people who aren't spiritual can't receive the truth from God's Spirit. You've been reading the Bible, you've got it out a dozen times, and you read, I just don't get it. Wherefore slew he him? What does that mean? Stop reading the King James. Get you a new living trans. Get you a modern translation for starters. But you don't understand it. You read it, and it doesn't make sense. The words of Jesus don't make sense. The, the, Jesus said, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, we're out of here. That's a, that, oh. It's because they didn't understand what he was really saying. And I'm telling you, you will never understand what Jesus is really saying until you ask God and you get born again, and His Holy Spirit comes in you. Because only His Spirit in you will help you understand the Spirit on that page. Isn't that what this is saying? People who aren't spiritual can't receive the truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolishness to them. And they can't understand, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Some of us are just content to view God from a distance. We may even say, I said that prayer. I'm, I'm a child. And you may know that you're born again, but you are staying at the foot of the mountain. You are not going up. Others seek Him through knowledge, like I said. Or they seek to impress Him by their performance. Boy, I lived there for a long time. If you'd asked me, I'd have said I'm a Christian. And if you'd have asked me, was I going to heaven, it was based on my performance. I didn't understand grace. I didn't understand love. I bargained with God. But that's not the God of the Bible. He doesn't bargain. He's large and in charge. He doesn't need anything you have. He paid the cost to be the boss. I'm just throwing out some. So how do we truly know him? What do we do? I know some of you are saying, I, 
I am so deep with God, I, I'm over my head right now and I'm loving every minute of it. Well, then pray for these others who spent most of their life like me thinking I, I, I knew God, but I didn't. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God, who said, Let there be light in the darkness, has made this light to shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. The light of God, the love of God, the revelation of Jesus Christ is found in the face of Jesus Christ. It's found in seeking His face. Really searching. You were meant to seek his face. He didn't die on the cross to have a far off relationship. One of those long distance kind. They don't work. He wants to be up in your grill and he wants you up in his grill. Paul warned us about having rules without relationship. And if you've ever raised a kid and you just gave him a bunch of rules but you didn't have a relationship with them, you know how that turned out. And that's what's happened in the world. We seek to just know about God and say, okay, some of us may even be trying to obey his rules, but without the relationship, we don't have the power to do so. It is his spirit in you that gives you the power to overcome sin and to live a life worth living. Only his spirit. 2 Timothy 3, 5 says, they, Paul warns us about those with rules without relationship. They will act religious, but they will reject the power. Say power. That will make them godly. Do you just want to be saved? Or do you want to go deeper and be godly? They will reject that power. What is the power of God? How would you sum it up? Well, as Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he got down to that famous passage of Scripture called John 3.16. And he said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Right? I bet you could quote it. I bet you could quote it. But I'm telling you, the power of God is in that scripture. Because it says, God so loved. It didn't just say, God loved the world, so he did this for us. No, God so loved you. God so loved me. God so loves us so much, so extreme, so unconditional. That so is such a big word. God so loves you. It's like when I first laid eyes on Angie nearly 30 years ago, I so wanted her number. I'd, I'd asked a lot of girls for their number before that. But I so wanted her number that I played it cool. I didn't take a chance on messing this up. I stalked her for six months before I ever. I spent thousands of dollars in the nightclub she was working just to get to, because she was a, a waitress, just to get to know her before I finally got the courage to ask for her number. I so wanted her number. And I got it. 
And I've been so happy ever since. God wants your number. Ephesians 3.18 says, and may you have the power. Ain't that what we're talking about, power? May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep is his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it's too great to full understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness and life and power that comes from God. The love of God is the power of God. You want power in your life? Be a carrier of the love of God, a receiver and a giver of the love of God. That is the power of God in your life. Religion has made an ugly scar on the world. Religion goes around condemning everybody. You're not good as us. You don't look like us. You don't dress like us. But Jesus went on in verse 17 of John 3. He said, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And we run around condemning one another. And Jesus Himself did not come to condemn, but to save. That's the love of God. You know, I love my son Joshua so much. I feel like if it ever come down to it, I would give my life for him. And God loves you so much that he gave his son for you. That's a whole new level. If you could get a hold of it. If you could get a hold of the, the love that held him to that cross. The love that sent him to that cross. For you. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 1 John 4, 7 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. We love because he first loved us, right? When we were born again, the love of God was shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. We didn't have it till then. If you're sitting here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're saying, well, I love people. I love my children. I love my wife. I love You love them as long as they're doing what you say and making you happy. You didn't love your first, second, third wife. You don't love them no more. But I'm talking about a love that will keep you with your current spouse through the thick and through the thin and when they ain't acting right. I'm talking about a different, a deeper, not a surface level, but a deep, oceans deep kind of love that God wants to get into your heart. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. And anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. How would you describe God? He's love. 
God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. Boy, that's showing love. And when you understand God is love, then you can pretty much guess how he will respond in every circumstance. What do you mean? Well, if, if you know the characteristics of love, you, if you know what love is, then you can pretty much predict how love is going to respond to whatever you do, however you behave. We find the characteristics of love in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. You've heard it. You could quote it. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. Or rude. It does not demand its own way. Well, we could stop and preach on this, couldn't we? It's not irritable. Wow, he's just slapping us all. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That's the characteristics of love. So how will God respond if you run from him? You'll probably be patient. How many was he patient with in here when you were running from him? He'll probably be kind. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. He's not keeping score. Why? Because these are characteristics of love. He won't give up. He'll believe the best about you when others don't see it. That's how you can expect God will treat you. What it, what it, what do you, how do you think he'll respond when you do that thing that you promised him 11,000 other times that you would never do again? What's he going to do? Oh, we never know what God is going to do. We don't. We never know what you're going to do. <laughs> but God doesn't get irritable because you did it again. He doesn't rejoice in you doing it again either because that's injustice. He'll probably discipline you in love. He'll probably speak the truth over you in love. He won't give up on you. Is it love when a, when a parent disciplines their child to teach them something? And if you listen to the world, oh, that's child abuse or this or that, you know. Let the child determine what sex they are. Have we lost our minds, folks? In the beginning, God made male and female, all right? Just in case anybody's confused. But God won't give up on you because that's the characteristics of love. He's true to himself. He never changes. God is love. Okay, so say you ultimately choose darkness rather than light. I know he died on a cross, but hey, I'm enjoying my sin. And I, I refuse to follow Christ. I'm going to live my life the way I want. You say that couldn't happen, could it? The vast majority of Americans are in that category. 
How does God respond? Well, he will follow you to the gates of hell. But he will not demand his own way. Because he gave you a free will to choose. You can break his heart if you want to. But it doesn't have to be that way. To figure out God, what God will do, you just only need to figure out what love would do. If you're in a situation and you want to know how God is, is handling your situation up there, <laughs> remember the characteristics of God. Romans 8.39 says, No power in the sky or above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. And where's that love found? It's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of God is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. Now do you see what Nicodemus did? He went from surface level dry and insignificant religion and he went and looked into the face of God, into the face of love. And it changed Nicodemus. Well, God so loved that he gave Jesus, right? So another characteristic we see, is, first and foremost, is that love gives. It's the nature of love. Love by design is meant to share. If you have love, you don't just hoard it to yourself. There's no way to hoard love. Love must be expressed or it's not really love, right? 2 Corinthians 9, 9. Let's go ahead and turn there. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. God gives us seed, we plant it in the ground, we water it, we have patience until it grows, it produces wheat, we take the wheat and whatever they do with the wheat, they mash it up and make bread and then we eat. As the earth remains, it says in Genesis, seed, time, and harvest, right? Seeds. God works through seeds. He says, for God is the one who provides the seed. The word of God is the seed of God if planted in your heart, will reap a harvest that you want. But if you're planting other things in your mind, in your eyes, in your ears, then you're, you're going to reap a harvest uh, which is the wages of sin, which is death, and you don't want that. It's so important that we plant the right things in our life. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat, in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Say generosity. God gives you seed. He takes care of your needs. But in doing so, he is longing to provide a spirit, a harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. 
And when we take your gifts to those who need it, they will thank God. In other words, when you're generous with the love of God that he is showing you, the seed of God that he has given you, the knowledge, the wisdom, you're sharing everything that you have with others generously, then they will be thankful, and it says they will thank God. They'll see God in you, and they'll thank God. They may come to knowledge of God through your generosity. That's why we feed these hungry people in India and around the world. That's why we give. We can give a dollar to some of these foreign nations, and it can feed a hungry child for a week. Do you really need the third Starbucks today when you could make such an impact with that dollar? Are you seeing what I'm saying? A heart of generosity. Does the farmer, God gives the farmer seed and he, instead of planting it and having this beautiful field of harvest, he just, I'm going to eat my seed. He could do that, right? You could eat your seed. And that's what so many of us do. God blesses us and we consume it upon our own lust. Instead of spreading the seed and having a continual harvest coming back into our lives. God, the love gives and love is meant to share. And God gives you love. He gives you the seed. He gives you the finances. He gives you the knowledge and the wisdom. And he wants you to share it and spread it far and wide. And whoever will listen. Whoever will receive, wherever you can plant in good soil that needs this, what you have, and it will, it will grow up in them and produce a harvest that will have eternal payday. Eternal. Not just temporary. It'll have a temporary effect, but it'll produce in them a heart of thankfulness towards God. They will receive this, and then they will be spreaders of the seed. And together we will all wipe out and drive out the darkness in the world one seed at a time. God's not asking you to sow what you don't have. He's asking you to sow what he gives you. Out of your, at least out of your abundance, if not out of your want. We don't eat our seed and we don't build bigger barns. Y'all have heard that parable, right? Parable where Jesus tells about a man who had a bountiful harvest that year had so much he wow have you ever had one of those really good years and all you got all this money and you think what am i going to do you're going to build bigger barns so we can keep our stuff we're going to put it in the bank we're going to do all we're going to we're going to hoard the blessings of god and god said you fool don't you know this very night your life is going to be demanded from you and then who's going to get your stuff See, that's why the Bible talks about rich people. Not that rich people are inherently evil in and of themselves, but their trust in the riches and the things of this life cause them to hoard when millions are going hungry and don't have anything. They're hoarding all the riches that God has blessed them with. And that's just not God's heart. That is not love. Well, we say, well, I got to have it. It makes me feel comfortable. How, what did that feeling comfortable do for the guy with the bigger barns who was going to die that day? We walk by faith and not by our bank accounts. We're, not, we're supposed to li be people who live on the edge, who give without abandon, who are willing to, to give all like Christ gave. 
who go, go above and beyond, not hoarding, not seeking for ourselves. Jesus says, why do you, you worry about the things that you'll eat, the things that you'll wear? These are the things that the world is concerned about. But seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You won't be able to get away from them. God's blessing will just keep pouring into your life. He'll pour, he'll pour more through a hose that'll, that'll water others than he ever will of one that's clogged up. What happens if the, clo- the hose gets clogged up? It just bloats and gets nasty and stuffed up. But if you'll let God's blessing flow through you, you'll have a continual stream, that bubbling on the inside that we talked about last week. You have this joy of giving. It's more blessed to give than receive. He's trying to get you the abundant life, but you're holding on to this life. Don't build bigger barns. Plant in good ground and enjoy a continual harvest. You know it makes you feel good. It sets you free from concern about self all the time. Chip Ingram says there are two kinds of treasures in this life. Those that are temporary and those that will last forever. We have decided which kind we are going to live for. No, we have to decide which kind we're going to live for. Whether we're going to live for now or for eternity. If our eyes are going to be on the things of God, He is our master. If our eyes are on the things of the world, it is our master. Proverbs eleven twenty five says the generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters will himself also be watered. We've discussed John 3, 16. If you go to 1 John 3, 16, it says we know what real love is, do we? We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need and shows no compassion how can God's love be in that person generosity must define the life of a true believer You can relax. I'm not taking up an offering. I don't don't care about this stuff. I don't care about this world. I'm just caring about us finding the love of God. Generosity must define the life of a true believer. And you know what happens if you have a church that's not given to missions, not, not given tithes, that, that are God's, they're stealing from God, the 10%. They're not giving offerings. They're not a generous church. What you're going to have is a consumer church. You're going to have people that just show up to, to say they came to church. You're going to have people that just show up to get a good word so that they can go out and use God's wisdom to build their kingdom. And you're going to have an inward church that is focused on self, you're going to have strife, you're going to have rebellion, you're going to have every evil work in that church. If you've got a bunch of stingy folk 
who are holding on to their life in this world. And I don't want that. You know when you came through those doors today, you were shown true love. You see people that are truly worshiping, have that spring bubbling up of worship in their heart. You see people, not no perfect people, Lord, no perfect people, but you see people at different degrees learning to be loved and to learn how to love and caring about each other. Right? So much I could say along those lines. But as you you pray about your missions pledge, we're going to do that the fourth Sunday. Don't be missing on the fourth Sunday. We're going to take up these cards on the fourth Sunday and and we're, we're not going to keep track of how much you give. That's between you and God. You're making a pledge to God, not to us. It's not going to us. It's going 100% to the missionaries. And if you want to know who the missionaries are, we got the page back there. They're doing good work. They're people that over the years we have found that we can trust to get this good ground. That's making a difference in different regions of the world, all over the world. 24 of them. Warrior Ministries is one of them. Doing good work. Good, good ministry, good ground. So as you think about this month, a faith pledge is something that you have to do by faith, not something just, oh, yeah, I, I can. this is my spare change. I'll give, you know, this. No, it's something you really need to have to believe God for, and it'll build your faith. Man, isn't that the truth? We had not done a faith pledge in about seven or eight years, but it's time because, you know, we've been building this church and getting us a a base again but now it's time to get thinking about the world again we can't get inward as a church god's not going to let you just sit and build bigger barns he's not if you're following him so be thinking as you as you pray about what you can give monthly or if you want to give it weekly or whatever be praying about that that you want to be generous what have we learned today wrote down a few things that I learned from today's message. In every situation, we can guess how love will respond. Love will give. Love defines God, and he wants it to define us. If you want to be in the love of God, you need to, be, you need to respond with love. You can have a surface level knowledge about Jesus, but not have the spiritual essence to essence relationship that God wants to have with you. You're really missing out on the best part of Christianity. If you call yourself a Christian, but you're sitting there saying, I don't really get excited about Jesus. I don't really pray. All, I don't have a desire to talk to him. I have to force myself to pray. I have to force myself to read the Bible. Man, I just come just so get my, my wife off my back to church or so, whatever. I don't know where you are at in your life. You may be here and you may be searching for God with your whole heart. But you can't plumb the depths of his love. Keep searching. I want, I want you to understand today that Jesus' desire he so wants your number. He so wants to be with you. 
He so wants to walk out every step of your life with you. Your little things. Some people say, I can't go to God with my daily laundry issues. You can go to God with everything. When you look in the mirror in the morning, you say, my nose is crooked. God would long to speak into your heart and say, I made you like that, son. God wants to, he cares about everything in your life. He wants to go deeper. Nicodemus decided to go deeper. He decided to to meet Jesus face to face. He decided that religion was not enough. The word of of knowledge was not enough. Just just knowing the law was not enough. I need Jesus himself. I need to look into the face of this power. I need this power. And, And it's in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has revealed himself. And he wants you to stare into his eyes. You don't have to ask for his hand when you, when you have the face of Jesus. You already have all of Jesus when you have the face of Jesus. When you seek his face. Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? You can experience God's power in your life. It changed Nicodemus. You say, how do you know it changed Nicodemus? Because we see at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, after he said it is finished and he bowed his head to pay for your sins, we see that Nicodemus and, and another fellow named Joseph of Arimathea are the ones who asked, can they take down the body of Jesus and give him a burial? And Nicodemus shows up with like 70 pounds of alloys and aloes and and stuff, perfume and stuff to to anoint the body of Jesus. You know, something happened between that garden experience where he went to Jesus at night and and he saw that love on the cross and something touched his heart. He didn't care. I bet he wasn't even wearing his robe when he came and took down Jesus off the cross. He took took the most menial job, the one that was going to be dirty and ugly. He he took the, the beaten and broken body of Jesus Christ and he took him down off the cross and he didn't care what his Pharisees but he's thought he didn't care about that anymore yes I am a Jesus freak and I'm not ashamed of it this is my Lord and my Savior who died for me and I don't care what anybody thinks I'm going to love him I'm going to anoint him I'm going to pour out my life on him don't matter what background you you're here today don't matter where you come from, how you ended up, we're all at some place at some time in our life, and today we're all here, and Jesus wants so much to know you, so much. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.